Looks like some kind of insect. It's a bee. Bee? A bee? Slow down now. What plane and what's dangerous? Bees, Scotty. Killer bees. Do you have any idea what those bees can do? Welcome to Killer Bees. This is not a Wu-Tang podcast. No, this is a podcast where we profile B-movie and genre film icons. My name is Garrett Smith. And my name is Tori Potenza. We can be found everywhere on the internet at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and at gmail.com. We're also part of the Movie John Podcast Network, which can be found on moviejohn.com. That's the Philadelphia John, J-A-W-N. Our artwork is by Alex Schneider, our music is by Christine Rayburn, and her partner, Pat. And today, we are talking some more about Keith David. Keith David. For our season one finale. Yes, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're going to take some time to make our, like, master list for season two of who we want to cover. Which which... I'm already very excited about. It's, almost done. Yeah, I feel like I wanted to make sure that we, like, opened with someone, like, pretty fun and awesome. So get excited for our opener. And uh, hopefully it'll be, like, uh, you know, a month or two uh, when we start releasing Exactly. We're kind of going to take the rest of the summer to, you know, backlog some episodes and get the research done. Yes. Um, Because also this summer became crazy all of a sudden because now we can do things. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and uh, I think that's kind of going to be the format of the show going forward. We'll do about like 20 episode seasons or something like that. We'll just keep on trucking through as many people as we can make a you know work for the show yeah um we're continuing our quest for like a diverse pool of actors so yeah. please email us at our uh, you know killer bees podcast at gmail.com and let us know who you want yeah. us to cover give us suggestions yeah i think like i i'm specifically struggling finding more like um like black actresses as okay. well as like lgbtq folks yeah. i feel like we would really we're like pretty to... good on white dudes yeah, got <laughs> and we have like a lot of like pretty cool like black actors as yeah. well um but yeah like I, I am trying to find more like queer community yeah queer sure. community Especially and cause... also more international folks yeah. we have like a few that we're pretty excited to talk about at some point but like uh you know we love giallo we love yeah. uh, like korean films and japanese films and so like we want to like find some folks from like other areas too and talk about them yeah and and I would really like to find some more people in the queer community to cover. And yeah. And what are the issues we're having there? If people can make some recommendations or even kind of encourage us to give ourselves the permission to do it. In some cases, we would be talking about actors that were not necessarily out during their career mm. or don't talk about their yeah. identity that much. And I guess I'm looking for to feel like it's okay to cover those people as as queer names in, in, yeah. in the show, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, um, so if that's something we need to talk about probably more between yeah. ourselves. Which, I mean, that is an interesting part of, like, I mean, yeah. it's a sad part of the history, too, yeah. but, like, so many people were closeted. Yeah. Um, I found, like, a really interesting list of, like, actors who were, like, together that, like, you yeah. would have never known about. Like, uh, I think it was... Uh, Harry Grant had like a live-in like friend actor that they lived together for years and years and years and yeah. everyone's like feels like that was a thing probably yeah, yeah, but yeah, we just like right. didn't talk about so yeah, it's it's fascinating yeah, like yeah. what what comes up but it also like is is unfortunate that like yeah. and uh, I just realized the answer is we just cover them as a person and actor and mention that you know they're yeah yeah maybe parts of their life yeah yeah, yeah. 
So I think I just figured that out. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Glad um, we did that together. What have we uh what have we watched that we wanna talk about here before we jump in jump into the later <laughs> dump half in. Of, before we dump on <laughs> into the later half of uh Keith David's career. Uh well I just wanna quickly mention a movie I watched the other night when uh Garrett was away. Um and this is one that I watched just like being like, I don't know if he's like that interested in watching it and now I feel like uh I can't stop thinking about it and we should watch it like ASAP. Okay. Uh, so uh, the other night I watched A Girl Walks uh, Home Alone at Night by Anna Lily Amapur. Yep. Uh, and I would really like to see this movie. Holy I've been hearing shit. about it for years. And it was like a movie that's like been on my watch list for ages. And like, you know, I was like, yeah, I'll get around to it. And then like I... I finished uh, reading Women Make Horror yeah. and so many of those essays were so wonderful and like brought back some of those movies to like the top of my watch list. And mm -hmm. so I put this on and holy fuck, like I loved this movie. I can't stop thinking about it. I've been listening to the soundtrack at work. Like just like it's such a mood piece and it takes a lot from different genres, which I really love. Um, actually, like I thought of our friend uh, Rosalie from Movie John because I was like, this reminds me of like uh, Universal Monster movies in a lot of ways. And then she commented after I watched it and was like, oh, I love this movie. And I was like, yes, of course you do. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, But there's like a lot of like... Um, like Western elements to it as well. That's the thing that excites me most because yeah. you have very little interest in Westerns. I do. So anything that uses that aesthetic successfully where you're like, I liked this. I'm yeah. like, yes, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested if you'll like love it as much as I do, but yeah. whole, like I, I feel like I haven't watched a movie where I was just like in awe of it immediately. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's like Black in my brain. Black and white photography, right? Yeah, it looks yeah. beautiful. Yeah. The music's wonderful. The acting is wonderful the the lead uh guy that's in the film like is is fashioned and dresses like james dean hell yeah uh it's yeah and it's like it's like an iranian american film because right. it was like technically filmed here yeah los angeles uh, yeah right? it was filmed in yeah. los angeles but like she's like iranian yep. and that's what they're speaking in the film so right. it's like it's all of it's very interesting yeah. and god it's it's incredible uh it's on shutter i think it's also on um canopy okay. as well I, yeah. I know it was on netflix for for years it would yeah. not surprise me if we've got listeners that have seen this movie because it's it's been very available i think yeah. since its release for sure uh yeah incredible yeah uh definitely looking forward to catching up with that yeah um i have like a couple that i would like to note but i will really make this like brief and quick yeah. um one that we watched together a couple that we watched together i enjoyed this more than you did but i think the empty man which is currently on hbo max mm -hmm. is really worth watching I really dug this movie. I know you were into it, but not yeah, fully there. Yeah, and the longer, the like more I get away from it, I feel like the less I maybe liked it. Oh, interesting. But okay, I, I actually went the other way. I feel like I liked it even more uh, as I yeah, think about I, it. Yeah, and it seems like so many horror fans are like loving this movie, yeah. and I... I, it just wasn't for like something didn't click. Yeah, I don't fine. know why. Yeah. yeah, there were elements that I liked. I feel like it took a lot of different pieces yeah. of horror that I'm interested in, yeah. but like... It just came together in a way that didn't totally work for me. It's like a Lovecraftian procedural kind of movie. Which I love Lovecraft. Love yeah. Lovecraft. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, yeah. Uh, and, and I really, I just dug it. I, uh, it is David Fincher's cinematographer, who's the director. Mm. Um, yeah, I think you can tell. Um, there's a lot of different kind of Fincher vibes throughout the movie. It does look great. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I, it's just a really interesting kind of mystery movie that mm. unwinds in some really bizarre yeah. kind of fascinating ways. Uh, and I, I, I just really liked it. I 
recommend people check it out while it's on HBO Max because mm. um, it kind of like came and went under the radar. It's it's not that old. It came out like last year, basically. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of flew under the radar and people are discovering it now. And I really enjoyed it. So I just wanted to recommend it to people. Mm. Um, another one we watched together was Black Moon Rising. So um, wild. Which is this really weird supercar movie written by John Carpenter. I did a little research. The original Fast and Furious. <laughs> I did a little research and it is Carpenter's first script that he sold, basically. Oh, shit. Um, wild. Like, yeah. Like okay. before he got to even, I think, direct any of his own work, he like sold this script. Um, mm. Stars Tommy Lee Jones and Linda Hamilton. Super weird B movie. Yeah. I, you know, it's only like sort of successful at what it's doing, mm -hmm. but I thought it was pretty fun. Um, there's yeah. a Kino Lorber Blu-ray out there if you're looking for it, and uh, we own it. And I just, yeah. I thought it was a good time. Uh, it, very cheesy B movie stuff, but yeah. uh, you know, right up my alley in this this show's alley. I yeah. think um, was really into it. Um, and the other thing that uh, I wanted to mention is I watched Star Crash, which is directed oh, yeah. by Luigi Cozy. Um, who did Paganini Horror, mm -hmm. uh, which we just covered on our Daria Nicolotti episode. Um, and uh, I dug Star Crash so much. I don't know that this movie is well-liked. It is directly a Star Wars ripoff in every way. They even have a lightsaber battle. It came out in 1978, which means within a year of Star Wars reaching theaters, Luigi Cozy liked it so much, he somehow made a whole Star Wars mm -hmm. movie in less than a year. And you can tell it's a Star Wars movie made in less than a year. It yeah. is very cheesy. Looks like it was put together with toothpicks. But that is, in my opinion, very charming. It's super colorful. Fucking David Hasselhoff is in this movie. Christopher Plummer is mm -hmm. in this movie. It's got like a bunch of people you recognize doing high B-movie cheese in a very low-rent Star Wars ripoff. Loved everything about it. Had a great time watching this I movie. I came home just to see like Christopher Plummer like staring at the screen and like saying a few like very dramatic lines. Literally looks directly at the camera like, to, to and just sum being up the like, story. Ooh, Christopher Plummer. <laughs> yeah, good looking man. Yeah. God, he's so beautiful. Yeah. Uh, really liked Star Crash. Yeah. It's on Tubi or something yeah. right now. Uh, really enjoyed this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I quickly want to mention two other things. Uh, one, another one that we must watch soon is Cherry Falls. Yes, please. Uh, which is a 2000 slasher movie uh, starring Brittany Murphy and Michael Bean. It's like so goofy, but I fucking loved it. Uh, mostly because it's like the whole plot is that it is a slasher that is going after virgins. And once that clicks and people realize that's what's going on, like this town plunges into just like fucking chaos and it's hilarious sounds great uh like it, there's even a moment in the movie where they just zoom in on a um a statue that underneath it says erected and i was like really this is what we're doing great uh it's very funny uh and then um i just want to give a shout out to we uh finished off uh, the fear street trilogy oh, yeah. uh with 1666 uh i really liked all of these movies i i think weirdly this may be my favorite uh just because what it what it actually culminates like in and with like and what the when you figure out like what it's trying to do and these real ideas that it has about like you know patriarchal society and stuff it just like really really worked for me the way power structures turn history into myth in yes. order to obfuscate like yeah. obfuscate the actual history yeah. so that they can maintain their power across yeah. time oh i was yeah. blown away I, like, so good i really liked these movies in my opinion they're each three star movies yeah but as a full experience four star movie experience you yeah. know what i mean like the whole thing yeah. i think really works as a triptych yeah and 
and they're like, are you talking about doing some more? Yep. Maybe yep. like I've Into heard, it. yeah. And I'm like, this it, this is a great time to be a horror fan. Yep. I feel like, yeah. And I think it's like, uh, you know, R-rated slashers for the TikTok teens that get yeah. into the the patriarchal power structures and how they work. And yeah, yeah. Uh, perfect. Works. Like really yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah, very good stuff. Yeah, really like those too. Why don't we dive on in? Let's uh, dive in. What did in. I say? We're going to dump on in? <laughs> We're going to dump in. Uh, so yeah, we left off. Uh, we like f- finished up the 90s, so now we're going to start uh, with his films into the 2000s. Yeah. Um, he, do you want me to save? I know there are a couple like video game things here that I have written down. Do you want me to save you those? You can save for these the ones. End? These are good. Okay, this cool. Fine. Yep. Uh, so for TV, he was in Tales from the Crypt, Law and Order. Uh, and then he also was in Grey's Anatomy, which was really funny to me. Yeah. Um, but the first film he's in in 2000 is a movie called Innocence with Connie Nielsen. Mm. About a music professor on a road trip, um, he ends up in a car accident and is taken care of by this nurse who he develops a friendship with, and then uh, kind of this like road trip that they it takes them on like turns into like a murderous rampage. It actually sounds pretty entertaining, mm. uh, and I sound cool. think Keith David is like a, a detective in it. Um, he as he often as plays, he often, especially in this yeah. part of his career, it feels like. Um, he then is in the film Pitch Black, starring Vin Diesel, which we watched. Hell yeah, we watched um, this. I had never seen it. Yeah. I've spent years hearing about this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of vaguely horror, mostly science yeah. fiction movie. I guess it's like a monster movie at the end of the day, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that uh, you know, this movie is pretty well liked actually, mm. and you know, must have been enough of a success. There have been multiple sequels, mm-hmm. uh, specifically to Vin Diesel's character in yeah. Pitch Black, because um, to me, he pops off the screen. He's the thing that pops off of yeah. this movie in that weird thing where it's you... funny watching him play someone other than uh, Dom. Dominic Toretto. Exactly, it's you and I wild. are big Fast and Furious fans, yeah. and. When you see him outside of that character, you realize how much Dominic Toretto really is a character. Yeah. Um, and because you're like, oh, Vin Diesel is doing a different thing in yeah. this movie and other movies yeah. that he is in. And the other thing that he does, and kind of well, not always successfully in my opinion, but kind of well, is play charisma. Like, Dominic Toretto is a charismatic less human being. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, or has a kind of charisma that is not... Uh, doesn't come with smiles and energy. You yeah, know? there, there's definitely energy in his character in Pitch Black. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Riddick. Riddick, yes. Who's, who goes on to have yeah. a bunch of movie sequels made about him. Uh, and some cool ideas. Like, towards the end of it, I feel like there was a lot of stuff where I'm like, oh, I like how this looks. Um, I think, unfortunately, this is one of the few things we watched that uh, does very little with Keith David. I know. He has hardly anything to do here. Yeah. and What is he? he he's like a priest or something? He, I think he's, like, Muslim. And, like, he's on this trip with, like, two young boys. And they're, like, doing, right. like, going to, like, going Mecca. Going to Mecca, basically. Right, uh, right, right. Is yeah, the there's, whole like idea. A, there's an interesting kind of religious component to this yeah. movie. And I think one of the things they're trying to indicate is that, like, hey, in this future society, like, Muslim has become the new Christian. Like, it, mm. you know, th- this is now the predominant yeah. religion of this future society. I think yeah. that's what they're trying to indicate. And he's, like, technically one of the main characters. But, yeah. I mean, because it really is, like, a very Vin ensemble-y Diesel's movie. movie. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it has like two other folk, folks that he's like pretty like tied yeah. with. It like mostly focuses on them, and yeah. so like you have like this Keith David who, in 
in things we've seen where he's in one scene, he like pops off the screen. Yeah. And like for this, it's like not so much. Yeah, it's which weirdly sucks. like because he's in a lot of scenes, but isn't really the focus of any scenes. Yes. It like he just kind of disappears. Yeah, he's into just the background kind of always of the movie. in the background. Yeah. yeah. Which stinks. Um, and this movie, I gotta say, is only like half of a movie to me. Like the first half, I just did not like. I thought it yeah. was ugly. I thought it was kind of dumb. Yeah, it did not Once work Once it me. gets into the second half and becomes a monster movie with, I think, pretty cool monster mm-hmm. designs, I thought it looked a lot better. It suddenly had an energy that it didn't before. Mm-hmm. I liked the back half of this movie quite a bit. Yeah. But the front half was so nonsense that I, I just kind of, overall, mm-hmm. the movie didn't totally do it for me. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Uh he is also in a movie called Where the Heart Is. I've definitely seen this. Which stars Natalie Portman yeah. and Ashley Judd. Yeah. It has like actually a very crazy cast. Now pretty sure I saw this in theaters. It, yeah, I would it used to be on like Lifetime or something a lot. Yeah. I have seen this movie like probably like 10 or 15 times like i really loved this movie when i was younger uh for whatever reason yeah yeah um oh yeah stalker channing's in this Uh who i fucking love joe cusack uh yeah yeah it's got an insane cast but like uh it's essentially about like uh natalie portman's character is this poor girl who's pregnant and her really shitty boyfriend leaves her at a walmart in the middle of nowhere and she doesn't know what to do and so she just like kind of lives in the Walmart. Um, I did see this movie. I know exactly what you're talking and about. And then, yeah. like, you know, eventually becomes friends with all of these small-town people. Uh, Keith David, I believe, works as in the, like, uh, photo kiosk thing, like, in the sure Walmart. He does. Sure he does, yeah. Uh, and is, like, one of, like, these friends that she becomes, like, really close yeah, to. Yeah, just, and, like, a good, genuine yeah, person that and helps her. Yeah. It, I'm like, I like that he's in this movie. I, it's It's got a great cast again. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I think it works that it's kind of all of these really great actors, you know, in this kind of goofy, co- like, romantic comedy thing. But actually kind of makes that work uh, even more. Um, It may not be a good movie at all, but like, you know, I watched it when I was like 12 or 13 and loved it. And so I I think categorizing it as a lifetime movie helps it be a good movie, right? It allows it to be what it is. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, And then uh, on the opposite spectrum of that, I think uh, he is in a movie that I watched on one of the worst first dates of my life. This is a terrible date movie. Yeah. uh, He was in Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. Aronofsky's Uh, Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. 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 Which, listen, I also, I've seen this movie one time. I will probably never see this movie again. I have zero interest in seeing this movie again. Saw it in college with one of my best friends, me and Ron Gallo, sitting next to each other in literally like the, uh, we were in like, uh, you know, in dormitories, there's like those public spaces. Yeah. Mm. We watched it in one of those, which means like people could have walked by watching us watch this movie, which is insane to me in retrospect. That's very crazy. Uh, And it's one, it's the only movie this has ever happened to me during uh, the credits rolled. Ron and I sat there silently next to each other unable to speak or turn the movie off and then the movie just ended the dvd menu came on and we continued to sit there for like another 10 minutes unable to speak um i don't it's i do think it's a quote-unquote good movie and that it's very effective at what it's doing i think yeah um there's a lot of technique stuff here that influenced uh, like basically the decade that followed in movies Mm. um but it is a rough watch. Yeah. I kind of think if I watched it again, I probably would go like, oh, th- maybe this isn't a good movie. You know, I almost suspect I would be like, oh, this actually is maybe not a good movie if yeah. I watched it again, you know? Um, 
it's a really, really rough, tough watch. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't even remember Keith David in it and was unwilling to even revisit it to find his role. Uh, that's kind of what I was thinking, too. But I feel like he maybe he is like the there is the ultimate like ass to ass scene. Yeah, uh, is he in that? I think he might be like Holy the dude shit. that like makes all of that happen oh my God. in my memory. But I also, again, could, did not want to even like I know. rewatch yeah. anything. I mean, that's what that movie is famous for really, which saw, I mean, there's so much that yeah. is devastating about that movie and it could be known for, and it's known for ass to ass. It's like, it's yeah. known for it's like final two minutes, yeah. you know, uh, which are a uh, thoroughly gross yep. uh, last two minutes yep. of a movie. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Did not have a second date with that person, I think, ultimately. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? <laughs> you didn't want to hang out with that person again? Ron and I remained friends, but I mean, I think that, uh, you know, yeah. that, that that colored the tenor of our relationship well, for time also, to come. Well, it's also, I watched it, like, at this dude's house, and it was, like, very oh, obvious that, wait. like, it was, like, movie and chill, and then I was like, please take me home after we finished watching that movie. Had this guy seen the movie already and was like, this is what we're going to watch? I think so, because I think he was trying to impress me with okay, his, yeah, like, film that is, knowledge. Oh, my God, yeah. That is yeah. never see that person again. Never. No. no. You watch that movie on accident because you heard it's good and then never again. Yeah, That's no. what should happen with that movie. Yeah, this was like, a, oh, cool, I'm going to impress yeah. you because I'm into like really cool movies. And I was like, uh-huh. Yeah, 17-year-olds yeah. are terrible and dumb. <laughs> yes. Um, in 2001, uh, Keith David was in the film Novocaine starring Steve Martin. Uh, it also has Helena Bonham Carter, Laura Dern. I pretty may interesting have cast. Seen this movie? It, I do think I rented yeah. this as a teen. It sounds like it's I. It sounds like it's like a typical Steve Martin movie, but it's like weird for that to still be a thing in the 2000s to me. And I even think that this one has like a little bit of a dark bent to it that yeah. is not totally existent in other Martin stuff. Well, because yeah, I mean, so the plot is a dentist finds himself. Uh, a murder suspect after a sexy patient seduces him and steals all of the drugs from his patients. And I I was reading that and I was like, oh, that like kind of sounds like an erotic thriller right. from like the 90s, but it stars Steve Martin. So I wonder if it is supposed to be like a dark comedy version of those things. My memory is that like, I don't even know if this... My memory of this is that Martin is actually playing it pretty straight. Interesting. And that the comedy... That that is supposed to be the comedy of it is huh. you've never seen Steve Martin like this before. It's not that it's not comedic, but it, it's not played zany as yeah. you might expect. You know, okay. that's my memory of it, but I, I could be wrong. Um, he then uh, goes on to do a film called Pretty When You Cry, starring Sam Elliott and Jamie Kennedy, Whoa. about a wife caught in a web of sex and violence. You, okay. I don't think you ever want Jamie Kennedy's name to be associated with a web of sex and violence. That's what I was thinking, too. You know? Yeah. Um, in 2002, he was in Barbershop, which I've never seen. Uh, I do think I've seen this. Yeah. And Barbershop, I think, is actually a pretty well-liked movie. Yeah, that's what I know of it. You know, it's got a few sequels, and, and my memory is the first one is the one that is particularly pretty funny and actually like also just kind of like a good movie about mm. black community yeah it's he's just in so many like uh iconic for the time things yeah. right now like after that in 2003 he does agent cody banks which i definitely iconic saw as a kid yeah uh for sure saw this Frankie Muniz, right? yeah Frankie Muniz yeah. and hillary duff oh god and, right oh and the bad guy is paul giamatti holy shit <laughs> Have you not seen these movies? No, no, I've never seen oh, these. Oh, man. Okay. I was like 13 when this came out, so I think it makes sense. And yeah. I had younger sisters. Yeah, no, I would have been uh, 15, 16, like, fuck that, like, yeah, you know, uh, for sure. Disney star shit. You yeah. Know. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, he is then in Head of State, uh, starring Chris Rock. I think I did see that one. I think. Wait, or did I see the one where he's like an angel? Or is this the same movie? Holy the head shit. of state, he's the president. I know, but is it because... Oh, I can't remember. There's like a couple of these uh, um, uh, Chris Rock movies that have like... Yeah, of, he did a few. Uh, and I, even in his IMDb list, like cut some of this stuff out that like... Did, yeah, yeah, Like yeah. just because there's so much of oh, it. Oh, a ton of it. Yeah, he's in a ton, a ton of yeah. stuff. What is this one though? Is this the one where he dies and is like kind of resurrected as a person? Yeah. When a presidential candidate dies unexpectedly in the middle of the campaign, blah, blah, blah. Oh, is unexpectedly picked to be his replacement. So this isn't the movie. Okay. It's someone. I don't know. I I maybe (laughs) saw this movie. There were a couple of these Chris Rock movies that had like really high concept premises. Interesting. And one of them, I think, is that he dies and gets resurrected as. Oh, I think one of them is he dies and gets resurrected as a white man. I think that might be what it is. Oh, interesting. I think that might be what it is. But that's not this movie. Okay. I don't think I've seen, like, any of these kinds of movies. Um, And then he does the film Hollywood Homicide, starring Harrison Ford and Jess Hartnett, which I saw, I think, like, with my mom and just really disliked this movie. I saw parts of it on TV in a hotel at a family reunion when I was a kid. And, yeah, I don't think this movie is well-liked. Yeah, like, around this time, we were watching a lot of those, like, there was a lot of these, like, just crime drama movies. Like, we also watched, like, The Black Dahlia uh, around this time. And, like, all of them seemed to kind of suck, which was unfortunate. Because I do kind of love those, like, uh, murder ones. Am I wrong? My memory of this movie is that it's, like, I think Hartnett is, like, a young movie star that gets paired with a cop because he's going to be a cop in a movie yeah and so he's like basically doing a ride along to like learn to be a good cop yeah. for movies or something like that which like i i don't know why josh hartnett was such a thing it, as we were growing up he, I, did have, he was one of those stars that hollywood was like give him a moment he could be the next big thing and it's just like no but like no i kind of like him though oh i don't and then in 2004, Keith David is in Agent Cody Banks 2, Destination London. Uh, yeah, you, I have not seen this one. You know it's a movie that stars Disney teens when the subtitle is Destination London. Yes, for yeah. sure. It sounds like a uh, Mary-Kate and Ashley yeah, movie. Exactly. Uh, he is then in Chronicles of Riddick, so is, it's interesting because he does return with that character for that weird. movie, which seems weird considering how little he has done, yeah. like given in I, that one. I would hope. We, the only reason we didn't watch this is because he had so little to do in yes. Black, I we agree. were like, I can't imagine he has more to do in the sequel. Yeah. But that would be my hope that they brought him back I, and actually gave him a character. I hope you know? so too. Yeah. Uh, and then he is in Crash, not the David Cronenberg Crash no. that we like, no. the one that won an Academy Award for I, Best Picture. I believe it was Best Picture. I saw this yeah. movie on the big screen. This movie kind of sucks. It's like a movie that basically is meant to make white people feel like racism is over. Yeah. Or maybe more accurately, hey, racism is so complicated. Yeah. Like, it's a really complicated issue <laughs> that, like, we probably can't actually really deal with it or solve it. So, like, yeah. just pat yourself on the back when you do something good and nice and things are fine. Yeah. It's kind of that, like, Keith David's role in this. I rewatched his scene to kind mm. of, like, try and remember. He plays like a police captain. Yeah. And a young officer, I think even a white officer, in fact, comes to him and is like, look, the guy you partnered me with is straight up a racist. Yeah. Like he just did some shit while I was in the car with him that like we need to deal with. Like this guy can't be on the force. He is a racist. Mm -hmm. And Keith David, ultimately, the thing that his character is trying to explain is how do you think me, a black man of my age, got to the role I'm in in this force? Sometimes you just have to overlook some stuff 
and make sure that you come Jesus. out looking like the good guy. Like, basically says, like, <sighs> the only way for a black guy to get ahead here in a world this racist, in a police station this racist, yeah. is to, like, not speak up. Because if you speak up, you become the bad guy and you can't get ahead. Yeah. So in order for me to get, like, if you reported this guy, we can report this guy. I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Let's be the good guys. Let's be the heroes. Yeah. You're probably going to make, you're probably going to ensure that I don't get to keep this role or, yeah. you know. And so it's like, it is that weird thing of like, yeah, okay. But also like, you're just excusing a bunch of, yeah. you know, it's like, that's actually this not. This is why all yeah, cops are yeah. bastards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like, that's actually what the point of that scene should be. Yeah. It's like, oh, all cops are bad. You know yeah. what I mean? But it's not. It's like this weird kind yeah. of, oh, racism is very complicated. You know, Which like, is it, interesting. It too because uh i we've become fans of brooklyn 99 and it's one of my comfort uh shows you know even though i don't like cops very much but there is a an episode where does uh, a very similar thing yeah this is a very similar does it in the exact way like you would want it to where initially andrew bowers carries is like yeah unfortunately like if you report this like it could mean that like they don't want to promote you or give you opportunities but then he's like but like ultimately he's like fuck that like we have yeah. to report this yeah. obviously because like we can't let this behavior yeah. stand yeah. and i'm in a position of power yeah. where i can back you up and yeah. you're like oh that is how we want things like this to actually yeah. go down yeah now i you know i think that from what we have uh learned about keith david himself yes seems like a really smart person that probably I agree. Um, yeah probably saw something in this scene that he thought there was some truth in. And so as like a white person, I don't want to totally like poo poo this, but I do think the overall tenor of that movie is what I'm describing. Mm -hmm. And that makes that scene feel just as bad as the rest of it, in my opinion, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's a good thing where the Academy still isn't, you know, giving awards like that to movies. (laughs) Green book. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, in 2005, he was in Mr. and Mrs. Smith, uh, which I had not seen, but was a big deal when it came out. I think people still kind of like this movie. Yeah, I think so. I I would like to see it. Uh, he was also in The Transporter 2. Definitely seen this movie. Love The Transporter movies. Yeah. I think these are really fun Jason Statham movies. The second one is pure absurdity Mm. to the point of like not being as good as the other Transporter movies. But is really fun. I do not remember Keith David in this movie. I tried to look up his scenes. I couldn't really find them. Mm. Yeah. Okay. It's fun. I, these movies are fun, though. I think you would dig them. Probably. Statham is, you know, Statham's a movie star. He's yeah, great in these. Yeah, I enjoy him. He gets to do a lot of really good action stuff in these, mm. which I feel like the Statham movies we have seen don't really highlight his, like, actual martial arts chops. Yeah. You would probably dig, dig these movies. Cool. Um, he then does the Proud Family TV movie, I which the Proud I Family. yeah I used to watch a Proud Family, um, and then he does Dirty with Cu- uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. I don't uh, know this movie. Uh, this is the IMDb description: Two gangbangers turned cops try to cover up a scandal within the LAPD. Oh boy. Okay. Yep. All right, and it, it's called Dirty. Okay, yep. I I already get it. I get it. Uh, in 2006, he's in a film called The O in Ohio with Parker Posey, Paul Rudd, and Danny DeVito. Saw this one on the big screen, Oh, baby. really? I had never heard of this before. Saw this at a Ritz. This would have been like the year I started college and was yeah. in a city for the first time, able to see independent movies at will. Yeah. And I remember this being like pretty funny. It's what What's funny to me is that the plot description is it's about a woman who's never had an orgasm, yes. which seems crazy. They made a movie about that, considering there's probably many women out there uh-huh. that have never Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's the premise of this movie. Yeah. yeah. So interesting. The o in Ohio. <laughs> uh, 
and then in 2007, he does a film called Delta Farce, which is a Larry the Cable Guy movie. Yeah, it sure is. And I think he might be like one of the main characters of this movie, Ugh, actually. Weird. Yep. Yep. I mean, I guess I would watch it to see him do a high comic performance, which is what I assume he would be doing in a movie with Larry, Larry the Cable, the Cable Guy. Guy. <laughs> Me too. Um, but the other way that movie could go is that Larry the Cable Guy is the comedic element in an otherwise serious world. And yeah. that would be, I think I would find that horrible. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, he's then in a film called The Last Sentinel, uh, which uh, the description is no emotion, no fear, no pain. They were the perfect soldiers to protect mankind until the drone police became the perfect enemy. Talus, a cyber-enhanced soldier, rescues a rebel beauty and teaches her to fight and think like a machine. Okay, this sounds like a dumb sci-fi movie that I might like. Yeah, it was like, okay, this sounds like it's got a lot of elements of things we've seen before. Yeah. Um, in 2008, he was in First Sunday, uh, starring Ice Cube. That's such a weird name for an Ice Cube movie because he did all the Friday movies. Like, yes. it feels like it's like trying to. Yeah, I wonder if it is related to. I don't those think movies. it is, no? but okay. it feels like it wants me to think about that with yeah. the title, so that I go like, "Oh yeah, I like Ice Cube in those Friday movies." Yeah. You know, like I'll see his new one. And then he was in a superhero movie, which he may have been like one of the leads in. I definitely saw this. He plays years the chief ago. of police. Uh, but yeah, we we talked about rewatching this, but it also uh, stars Drake Bell, who uh, is definitely under some heat for being a gross human being. So. Yeah, I mean, in retrospect, the weirdest thing about superhero movies is that it was directed by Craig Mazin, who mm. very recently was the showrunner of Chernobyl, which was like so you know, an awards-winning drama that people love. Yeah, I've heard it's incredible. Yeah, and It he's seems like, too depressing for me to watch. He's but. like a fairly well-respected Hollywood screenwriter yeah. and script doctor, mm-hmm. um, and he directed superhero movies. So I'll strange. Just, yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep. But, I mean, that was such a thing at this time where it's oh, yeah. like, oh, yeah, we're just constantly making parody movies. Yep. Um, he is then in the film My Mom's New Boyfriend, starring Meg Ryan and Antonio Banderas. I mean, you've sold me on title and cast. Yeah, it's about a young federal agent who is given a difficult assignment to spy on his mother and her boyfriend, who is suspected of leading a gang of art thieves. Oh, shit. Colin Hanks and Selma Blair are in this, too. Oh, they must be the young couple. Yeah, I uh, I really like Colin Hanks. I do, too. I'm a, I am think he's great. We've talked about that. Like our, You also love Orange, Orange County. County. Yeah, 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 I love that movie. Loved it, yep. Um, uh, he, by the way, Keith David plays, you guessed it, the FBI chief. Conrad. Yeah, yeah, he, he's the cop a lot. He's always playing the cop. Uh, he is then in a film called The Sensei. Uh, in 1985, Colorado, a long, absent woman, proficient as a black belt in martial arts, returns home where she agrees secretly to train a bullied gay teen. Honestly, that sounds kind of cool. It It's very interesting. Uh, it seems like it's that. all white people, though, no, which okay. is a little weird. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he then does The Fifth Commandment, starring Rick Yoon. Uh, in Bangkok, an assassin who turns down a job that hits too close to home finds himself targeted by the elite members of his profession. Uh, okay, also sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, he's he does such a, a wide array of movies; yes. it's wild. But yeah, yeah a lot he of these like weird action. Every single one of <laughs> yes. Them. Um, but then in 2009, he plays uh, the cat in Coraline, which uh, oh. I love this movie, and you watched for the first time. I've never seen it. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of animation, especially. Yes claymation me too which this isn't quite it's like kind of a hybrid of like claymation and puppetry yeah it's like what this um 
uh, uh, what's the studio called? Uh, uh, Leica. Yeah. Um, Henry Selleck, I believe, is the director of mm. this one. He did um, James and the Giant Peach. He Which did, I also love. He did uh, Nightmare Before Christmas as yes. well. That's actually his direction. Um, he's a wonderful director, I think. And I, I really uh, love the way this stuff looks. Mm-hmm. And I was so impressed by this movie. God, it's gorgeous. It's really beautiful. It's very fun. You yeah. know, it's just got a really good kind of simple... Mm-hmm. Uh, Fairy tale like premise, yes. you know. Um, reminded me of Beetlejuice a little bit, I guess. Yeah. Um, sort of world and premise wise. Um, but man, Keith David as a cat yeah. that gets to have a voice in on the other side of the mirror. Yeah, because he's like the thing that kind of tethers her to the real world, yeah. which is cool. Yeah, he's wonderful. Yes, yeah. his. Vo- I mean, he just has such a great voice, and so when you put that voice, especially behind a character that. The mm-hmm. whole joke of it is that, oh, you wouldn't expect a cat to be voiced yeah. by this voice. It works so good. It's yeah. like, oh, he's it's awesome. just It's and just he's wild. Fun, oh, like, yeah. Doing kind of a, an interesting sort of character with his voice, you know? Yeah. He, he put, I'm, I'm, yeah. I guess the audience can see this. I'm like shaking my shoulders with a little bit of sass. Yeah, he's, he's, he's like, like a sassy cat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dude. There's a cat from Courage the Cowardly Dog that reminds me a little oh, bit of this one. Okay. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he's great just on screen in yeah. general, but like, it's amazing how good he is even just with his voice. Like yeah. he can carry a scene without even like physically being yeah. on screen so and, well. Which is really interesting because one of the things I really like about him as an actor is he's got a wonderful face that yeah. he's very expressive with. Yes. And so in tandem with his very expressive voice, you get these really big, awesome yeah, performances. Like, and it's amazing that he can still give a big, awesome performance without yeah. that very expressive face. You For know? sure. I also, I, I liked this movie and I was a little bit older when it came out, but it's like, it's it's still exciting when stuff like this comes out because I'm like, I'm happy they're still making like, weird creepy stuff for kids because like that's definitely what eventually got me into horror and stuff is like all the weird creepy stuff like i grew up with Mm -hmm. Uh, like like nightmare before christmas and and all of that so yeah i i I like this a lot i also um wanted to bring up that john hodgman is a favorite comedian of mine he plays the dad in this oh yeah uh, he it's very funny because his voice has a little something weird going on Mm. throughout and I was trying to figure out why, because it's not that different from his actual speaking voice. And the only thing I could think is the design of his character has like a three foot long neck. <laughs> and I feel like they must have told him his character would be designed like that. And so he was like, oh, I got to sound like I got a three foot long you neck. You got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Keith David then does a film called Against the Dark, which was a straight to video Steven, Steven Seagal movie. So it's interesting uh-huh. that he works with Seagal again. I know. Um, it says a katana master Teo leads a special ops squad of ex-military vigilantes on a massacre mission. Their target vampires uh, on a post-apocalyptic globe. Uh, Ty is the survivor's only hope, and he knows that the only cure is execution. I gotta tell you, this movie has terrible reviews. Everything yeah. about it sounds awesome to me. <laughs> it's uh, I don't think of Seagal as someone that dips his toe into the like, like paranormal, supernatural, supernatural yeah. stuff. So it is interesting that I was like, oh, this. Is a vampire movie. Uh-huh. Okay, great. Uh-huh. Uh, he uh, then does a film called Don McKay, starring Thomas Hayden Church. Uh, it's about a high school janitor who leaves his hometown after a tragedy, returns 25 years later to rekindle a rom- romance with his old flame who is dying. Uh, but hmm. this home bringing brings McKay more than he bargained for. Hmm. Um, 
he uh, Keith David then does a film called The Butcher, starring Eric Roberts. I kind of wanted to watch this one. I know. Uh, mob enforcer is set up for a fall, but when he slips the trap, he snaps and seeks retribution, living up to his moniker, The Butcher. Yeah, and I think he's like one of the stars of this movie alongside Eric yeah. Roberts, so I like sort of wanted to watch it just to see like some B-movie cheese with those guys. Yeah, you know? I agree. Um, and then he is in the movie Gamer with uh, Michael C. Hall and Ger- uh, Gerard Butler. Talk about B-movie uh, cheese, baby. Yeah, which uh, I we ended up watching kind of just because like I had never seen it before and was a little interested in what it was, uh, what its whole deal was. Yep, and, and I had seen like half of it yeah. and wanted to see the other half of it. Yeah, and I mostly wanted to see it because from the trailers, I remember when it came out being like, oh, I like Michael C. Hall a lot and it seems like he's playing like a very different character than you normally see him oh, in. Yeah. He is arch as fuck in this Yeah, movie. and it's great because like, you know, I remember him from Six Feet Under where yeah. he's like kind of this sad mortician right. and then he's Dexter where he's a sad serial killer. Yeah, yeah. And so this is a movie where he actually gets to have fun playing like a villain and like fucking goes for it he chews the scenery up in this movie and it's fun there are multiple musical numbers in this movie yep he does a whole (laughs) song and dance towards the end where he's like indicating that he's the puppet master basically and doing like a puppet master dance um and we watched it because like keith david had like high enough billing on this that we thought like he had a big role he's in one scene literally one but as a cop (laughs) fucking great scene but it's a great scene yeah he's like interrogating this kid that is like uh the the kid that like plays gerard butler's like character gamer is yeah. about a literal live action video game that's happening where through some new technology developed by michael c hall's character a person can control an inmate as if they are a video game character yeah and basically do some first person shooter action with a real person yeah so um, they're so like oh we premise. can just like kill yep. these people in prison and the the, the game of it all being hey, this is how you could uh, reduce your sentence and get free again. If you are able to survive this game, you are free. Yeah. Um, which obviously, the whole thing is it's so fucked up, you'll never actually get free. Yeah, it's yeah. like almost impossible yeah, to yeah. do. This is a Neville Dean and Taylor movie. They're the guys that made Crank. Mm-hmm. If you like those movies or know what they're all about, this movie is very much them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is a movie where I, whenever I say like Keith David is so good, like even in one scene, I'm like, this is a prime example. No wonder of that. people want him in stuff. I mean, it's crazy to me again that he's not the lead in more things. Yeah. But it's like even when he is a side character, he fucking pops off screen. Like he has such a funny moment with this kid where they're talking about pistachio butter, and it like made us laugh out loud. It was so good. He also has that great line where he's like threatening the kid. Yeah. He's like. He's like, listen, we need to know how you hacked the system because that's like what they're afraid happened with this kid. They're like, we need to know how you hacked the system. And you know how we'll find out? We'll look through every detail of your internet history in excruciating detail. <laughs> yeah. Like he just like he gives this great performance. It's so fun. Which is hilarious because in the context of this movie in the world, everyone is like a huge horny perv. Oh, and yeah. so it's like, it's I like, mean, does it matter? Yeah. <laughs> the, literally the movie supposes that like the future of the world is like the news is going like, fuck this shit. Everybody likes to have sex. Like yeah. you know, that like the world has become very vulgar, basically. Yeah. Uh, he is then in the film All About Steve, starring Sandra Bullock, Bradley Cooper, and Thomas Hayden Church, which I may have seen with like my family, but <laughs> it's it's really weird. Uh, it's Sandra Bullock is convinced that a CNN, CCN cameraman is her true love. She's a crossword puzzler. 
and she trails him as he travels all over the country, hoping to convince him that they belong I mean, together. This is creepy as fuck, but it's you're saying this has the tone creepy. of like a romantic comedy? Yeah, essentially. Uh, and I don't remember how it all shakes out, uh, but I'm like, Ugh, I don't like any of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then his another one of his really big uh, voice acting roles uh, in the 2000s is The Princess and the Frog. Uh, he plays Dr. Facilier, uh, which I've only seen once. Um, and this is a, a really good like Disney animated film. Uh, but yeah, he gets to play like the villain who's kind of this like voodoo king kind of guy. That and he's awesome. like, he's great. He's really, really good. And the animation is really fun because it all takes place in New Orleans. And so it's got like such a good aesthetic. Um, and of course, like him as like this really creepy villain, he's just like chewing all of the, the scenes that he's in. Sounds great. Um, uh, one thing I think we would be remiss not to bring up because I noticed you left these off the list, which is totally fine, but because he was in so many of them, he is apparently in like all of the Behind the Enemy Lines sequels, of which there were like two or three in this decade. Oh, I didn't even, I don't even think I saw those on IMDb. Yeah, there's like, he's in like two or three of these. There's like four Behind Enemy Lines movies. And uh, I just, as I was going through his IMDb as we were looking here, I saw that he's in at least one of those sequels in this decade. So oh, I like truly did not even notice. It's totally fine. I wanted to just like make sure I said it out loud because that is like. Also had no idea that that movie had sequels. Me That's neither. so weird. This is how I found out from doing him here that he's in like all of, like I think there's like a two, three and four. And so I believe strange. that he is in all of them. And it's like the same character and stuff. I, I'm assuming so. I don't know Strange. how. You know. Yeah. Here it is. Behind enemy lines two. Axis of evil. Um. It, you know why you probably didn't include it? It has video behind it because I think they were all direct to video. Oh, that's a th I I cut a lot of yep. TV movies and video stuff. I think they from were this. all direct to video yeah. sequels. And so I wanted to bring it up just because that's a big movie that weirdly has all these sequels, and he's in like all of them. Yeah, it's really so strange. strange. Um. He also I noticed you didn't include because I think you thought it was a video game, and rightfully so. He is in the Final Fantasy movie, The Spirits Within. Oh, yes, which, which I think the, I've seen. It has the distinction of being one of the first fully CGI movies to have, like, human characters. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And had some real Uncanny Valley thing going on. But it's kind of an interesting movie. And it's, like, not really, uh, has an, doesn't have, like, much to do with the Final Fantasy it's game at all, right? It's by the guy that made those games. Oh, weird. It just is nothing like the games. It's like Got not it. really connected to any characters okay. from the games or even like the world of the games, but it is very thematically hmm. a Final Fantasy thing. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Kind of weird. Gotcha. Cool. And uh, yeah, then we get to his films in the 2010s, which like, dear God, he gets so much work in the 2000s. It's wild. I don't, I feel like this is like the, the opposite most, for most actors who one are- One of the most exponential careers. Yeah. Right? Like, barely anything in the 80s where you think that would be, like, his time to shine. Yep. And now he's in, like, so much shit. Yep. Um, I want to talk about some of the TV because he was in so much stuff that, like, I watch and love. Um, so he does voices in Robot Chicken, which makes totally sense. This makes so much sense to me. Oh, yeah. Um, he was on Archer, which I loved. Yep. He was a regular on Community. So I don't know if you remember. Not only is he an on-screen character in Community, yeah. and a really good one. Yes. I believe the first thing he did for Community is there is an episode that is like a Ken Burns documentary about the, the paintball, uh -huh. uh, or basically about the events yes. that have happened on Community thus far. 
he is the voiceover artist that is doing the Ken Burns documentary of the series. Which makes sense because we'll talk about it later, but he does some Ken Burns. Yeah, yeah, uh, so yeah. that makes a ton of sense and is hilarious. That yes. community did that. Yes. I love that. Um, he was on the regular show, uh, BoJack Horseman. Um, on Adventure Time, he plays the Flame King, okay, awesome. uh, who I love because um, uh, uh, who's the... What's his name? I can't remember the name of the character. Finn. Finn? Yeah. Uh, Finn dates the the flame princess for a while. Oh, okay, uh, cool. So that's like kind of a fun thing. And then he also plays the president on Rick and Morty. That's so funny. Uh, who has been in two of the seasons so far, uh, but I think is in this newest season of Rick and Morty, but I just haven't watched it. Awesome. Uh, but he, yeah, he's really, really funny on Rick and Morty. Um. He uh, does an animated kids film called Birds of Paradise, which I don't think I've heard of. Me neither. Uh, and then he does, uh, this is a remake, right? Of yeah. Death at a Funeral? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and let me look, actually, because I think there is something pretty interesting about this remake that's worth talking about. Uh, so let me just grab it here, because I want to say, am I right? Am I right? Hold on. Is this the one? Yeah, this is... Uh, Neil LeBute directed this, mm. uh, who's like a playwright, I believe, but if I'm not mistaken, also did the Nicolas Cage Wicker Man. Oh, shit. I'm going to look that up really quick to make sure. Um, but this is the... Oh, um, yeah, Peter Dinklage is in this movie. Yeah, um, this is the, I mean, for lack of a better word, this is the black version of Death at a Funeral. Yeah. That, you know, Death at a Funeral is a British movie, and this is the American version that was recast with mm. basically an all mostly black cast, um, which is just, yeah. you know... There was kind of an interesting period in American cinema of this happening kind of over and over again mm -hmm. where we were kind of remaking movies and just going like, hey, now everybody's black, which is kind of cool, but also like a little weird in retrospect. Yeah. Like, But there was like a kind of a period of Hollywood history that, that was very much like this. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. This is the director of uh, uh, or writer, maybe, of uh, the Wicker Man reboot. It's also interesting, too, just because even if it wasn't just like, oh, we'll like stick a black cast in it. Like, yeah. I mean the U.S. just loves to remake very good, like, British and other, like, uh, you know, oh, countries' totally. films yes, and yes. being like, yeah, this is ours now, and Absolutely. usually it's worse. By the way, uh, I do think in a very, there's, like, a funny kind of thing about this movie, which is that one of the only white characters, I believe, is played by James Marsden, and he's just on drugs the whole time. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah. Oh, very fun. Yeah. Um, he is then in a film called Meet Monica Valor, starring Kim Cattrall, about an awkward teen who meets his favorite porn star whose career peaked in the 80s. Uh, an unexpected friendship follows, and the young man gets a glimpse into Monica Valor's current life as a single mom and str who's struggling to make ends meet. Uh, I mean, kind of sounds interesting. That actually sounds kind of good yeah. in that weird saccharine way that you could kind of like go like... Oh, porn stars, they're dirty. Let's make a story about how they're not. You yeah. Know, like, I don't know. Uh, which I actually appreciate. Yeah. Um, but, and I, but, I like Kim Cattrall. Yeah, I feel too. like she's got oh, like that. Totally. Like, she's, I feel like it's similar. Like we talked about this with Shannon Doherty where people are like, oh, she's like a bitch. But I'm like, oh, I like kind of respect the hell she's out of it. She's just fucking in charge is what she is. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. yeah. Um, he was in Stomp the Yard 2, Homecoming, uh, which I saw the first one in theaters with my friend in high school, Are I these think. like drumline movies? They're, I think they're like dance movies? Dance movies. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, which yeah. I have an appreciation for some of these dance movies because yeah. I like dance choreography. And yeah. When it's done well and filmed well, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Cinematic. Um, 
he is then in a movie called Chain Letter, which we did watch. Holy because fucking he, shit. He is like top build in this. And so we wanted to try to get some more of his like, you know, bigger performances. And uh, um, hey, it's the Killer Bees. This is for sure a B movie. Oh, man. And it, we were like, it, it has terrible ratings and everything. And we're like, well, he's in a few of these. And we're like, we should watch at least one because yep. he got a decent role in it. And it is a bad movie. But I enjoyed the fuck out of it. I had a lot of fun watching this. <laughs> I would love to show this to people. One of my favorite things is what I like to call ill-advised cinema. Uh, and yes. Chain Letter is some ill-advised cinema. It's I, I we sat in bed like at night, like I we we're trying to go to sleep, and then I just kept talking about the movie because I like couldn't get over the audacity this movie had. But I also weirdly respected that it was like we don't give a fuck here you go <laughs> it's weird because like on one hand it's a very paranoid technophobia movie yes where it feels... oh and brad dwarf is also in it too yeah, yeah. so it's very interesting it feels like the person that made it actually is like a technophobe that's like the kids and their phones are gonna destroy the world uh, yeah like, they're getting poisoned by these screens yeah. you know like on the other hand it's an actually really good slasher. Mm. Um, the slasher elements of this movie are very well executed yeah. and handled. And there, and so there's part of it that makes me feel like it maybe knows what it's doing and is maybe being funny about it. Mm -hmm. Especially when you get to scenes like Keith David's detective in his own office trying to talk to like a profiler and just on a computer screen in the background in huge bold letters so there's no way you couldn't see them it is part of the production design yeah is literally just it looks like a cat walked across the keyboard yep it's just like a bunch of random string of letters i know i tried to take a picture of it and i couldn't and i was like fuck it's so funny i need to get a shot of it because so it doesn't matter see. it's never remarked upon doesn't it's matter. not part of the story there's no twist with this character where you find out he's crazy i know it just is a thing it's... that's part of the production design yep. that you're meant to notice but for no reason yeah um, and there's so many moments like that full that, of I, like that I enjoy. And there are <laughs> movies that are meant to make you think certain characters are suspicious, and then we never even see them again in the movie. Yeah. There's like all of this weird stuff in the movie, and then the yeah. most audacious thing it does, not to spoil it, but also to spoil it, is it just never resolves anything. Anything. It gets you to the absolute peak of its climax, yep. and actually kind of has a twist in there that's not like a reveal. It's kind of just a reveal of like, yeah. oh, actually what you've been watching is X. But then there should be after that. Yeah. like, And that means Y, Z, A, B, and C. There should be all this fallout from that yep. that the movie just immediately ends. Yeah, I was shocked when it ended. Oh, it was shocking. It was literally the most shocking ending I've ever seen. Because it's like an hour, 20 minutes maybe. Because it's not an ending. It's yeah. shocking in that it is not an ending. It's so abrupt and leaves <laughs> everything on the table. Everything is left on the table. Uh, yeah. It's infuriating, but in just this fully audacious, like, I cannot believe they did this yeah. way. Yeah, and, and it even just like, it also just like fucking begins in a way that's really weird where you like oh it, it kept introducing characters that were like ah oh, this is the lead character yeah. or like this is the hot guy that we're like supposed to like yeah. and root for yeah. and it just fucking murders everyone in yeah. like the first 10 minutes yes. and you were like oh, oh okay yes it's it is a fully bizarre movie that the only background information i could find on basically got delayed over and over again yeah. in its initial release which makes me suspect part of what's going on here is maybe some like producer editing or yeah. something. I don't know. 
It's fucking weird. It's weird. And Keith David's pretty fun in it. Oh, he, yeah. At his big like break in the case is the chains that he finds. Yes. And he's just like going around with a chain link. This movie is almost <laughs> pornographically obsessed with chains. It's yeah, it's like we're making everything about chains. Like the killer has chain tattoos on him as well. Yes. Like it's Oh, because by the way, sorry, we didn't even say the premise of chain letter is that it's about a murderous spam email. Yeah, so if you don't send the chain letter, you actually die, which, like, I remember when I was a kid, we're not a kid, but, like, young teen on the internet and getting these on MySpace and stuff and legitimately being scared of them. Right, right. uh, And would send these to people and actually accidentally sent it to my mom's friend and got in really big trouble with my mom. Um, (laughs) So, like, I remember that, like, dumb feeling of, like, oh, I could die if this happened, which is ridiculous. But then this movie is like, okay, but like, what if that was real? And right. like, but we actually did kill you. <laughs> uses it to be technophobic, uses it to be very yeah. paranoid. Yeah. It's so strange. And then, yes, as you're suggesting, it's like, and so then it's like, and by the way, chains are a big theme here. Yeah. Uh, like, Get the, guy, it? <laughs> the guy kills with chains, the guy has chains tattooed on his body. Yeah. They're everywhere. It's so strange. Yep. It is such a strange slasher that I, I wrote in my review, like, Everyone should see this movie, and there's absolutely no one I would recommend it to. Yes. It's that kind of dumb and weird and strange and yep. ill-advised. It's on Tubi? Yeah. So, I mean, you know. You know, w- watch it. If you got, like, an hour, 20 minutes, and you want to watch something real dumb. <laughs> if you've got a whole pound of marijuana to burn, give it a watch. Yeah. It, we had fun. Yeah. <laughs> Um, in 2011, Keith David is in a film called The Inheritance. Uh, five ambitious cousins set out on a family reunion during the dead of winter. The purpose of the retreat is to secure their inheritance, a fortune that dates back many generations. If we could have found this movie, we probably would have watched it. it we was... we kind of think this premise sounds yeah. interesting. And I think it's kind of on par with Chain Letter, probably. probably. Yep. Uh, it may have been like straight to... DVD right. because I think even on IMDb the picture that it has of a poster is just is a, a DVD. DVD. Cover, yeah. <laughs> um, in 2012, he was in Cloud Atlas, which uh, this is one of my favorite books. I, would I have really like to watch this. I have uh, the tattoo. I have a tattoo which is like the last uh, like. Uh, sentence of the the book on me uh but i've heard weird things about this movie and i have kind of because of my love for the book always just avoided it uh but it seems like he has like a a fair amount in it because the whole idea is that it takes place in like different times and different generations and so a lot of the characters are playing multiple characters and he is one of these people that is in like many different iterations of the story so I assume he's got like a decent sized role. I would really like to see this. I actually uh, I'm a big Wachowski fan. Mm. Friends of mine that are Wachowski fans say that this actually is a good movie. If you're into the Wachowskis and what they do this is worth watching because I don't know if you know um, the screenplay uh, was written by the Wachowskis and Tom Twyker who also helped them direct this movie. And um, Tom Twyker is the guy that adapted Perfume as well for the screen. Oh, which um, Ben Wishaw is in both yes. of these things. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. And also... Uh, Another book I love and have not actually seen the yeah. movie. Yeah, and I believe is also the filmmaker behind Run, Lola, Run, which is a really interesting oh. uh, movie from like the 90s, I think, 2000s. Yeah. All right. Maybe um, I gotta... I, I, I can separate movie and book in my head, but I'm sometimes I interested. have trouble. Honestly, the reason that you and I would stray from this movie more than anything else is I think it's like a three, three and a half hour movie. Oh, God. Um, but I would like to see it. Which makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> that book is like lofty. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Same year, he was in a film called Smiley. Uh, we almost watched this one, too. Yeah, I think, again, on par with Chain Letter. Yeah. Uh, after discovering an urban legend of a demented serial killer who has nothing but a carved smiley on his face, a mentally fragile teenager must figure out if she is going insane or if she could be the next victim. It's it's funny that in the description itself, it says urban legend of demented serial killer and then mentally fragile teenager. I'm already scratching my chin about who might actually turn out to be the smiley face. Oh, man. That's funny. You know what I'm saying? Uh, also, the design of it is so crazy looking. If it you is, see actually. the poster, yeah, I, yeah. Like, I'm like, it is meant to look like what if a smiley face was actually on a person? Yeah, like, like that, the, that the yellow face yeah. sticker. Yeah, yeah. Very weird. Yep. Uh, he's then on Assault on Wall Street, uh, <laughs> which is about a New Yorker who uh, lives with a sick but lovely wife. Suddenly, everything changes when the economy crashes and it causes him to lose everything. Filled with anger and rage, Jim seeks revenge for the life taken away from him. I thought so. This is an Uwe Boll movie. Uwe Boll. I'm not sure how you say his name. Uh, Uwe Boll is like a classically hated director, Mm -hmm. makes lots of bad movies, and is like actively vocal about like, I know you fucking hate my movies, and I fucking hate you too. That's why I make my movies. Like, so he's he's like an (laughs) antagonist. What are we doing? He's like a Hollywood antagonist, basically. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Eric Roberts is in this movie. Oh, yeah. He's fun. Yep. Uh, he is then in a movie called Highway about two marijuana-loving brothers, Earl and Ray Ray, who embark on a journey in search of mythical highway in Kentucky, which is believed uh, to lead them to marijuana nirvana. What the fuck? Is he just like a cop in this too? Uh, I don't know. He seems to have a couple stoner characters in the 2000s that he plays. So. Interesting. Yes, very. Interesting. Uh, he in 2013 was in the film Freebirds, which is another animated uh kids movie. Um, and then in 2014 they also note that he voices Nick Fury in the Marvel Experience, which is like this immersive adventure uh, that I assume is at like Disney World. Could be. It also could be one of those like traveling shows. I'm not really yeah, sure. Yeah, it could be. But I like like that he gets to voice Nick Fury. I think that's really fun. I believe he has voiced many a Marvel and DC character in the animated mm, realms. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, in 2015, he was in a movie called Union Furnace, uh, and then he does another animated film called Kids vs. Monsters with Malcolm McDowell and Lance Henriksen. Honestly, cool. really good title. Yep. Would watch, just based on that. I know. Um, he's in another kind of goofy horror movie called If I Tell You, I Have to Kill You. Uh, in 2016, he was in The Nice Guys uh, with Russell Crowe and... Why can't I remember his name? Who I love? Gosling. Gosling. The hot right? goss. Yeah, the hot goss. Uh, yeah. Such a hot yeah. man. <laughs> He's great in this movie. Keith David is like I've a small- I've never but, seen this. Oh, oh uh, you might enjoy this movie. Yeah, I would like to watch it. it. it uh, you would definitely like Gosling in this movie. Yeah, I bet. He's very funny in this, doing a lot of physical comedy, yeah. which is fun to watch him do. Uh, him and Russell Crowe actually have a very interesting, unique chemistry. Got it. Um it's an R-rated Shane Black movie, and so I think there are certain elements of it that maybe would aggravate you, or you'd be like, all right, like roll your eyes yeah. out a little, you know? Um, but it's pretty fun, uh, and, and Keith David has like a small but significant role in this, cool. um, and is an, it's kind of a classic, like, basically one-scene Keith David performance where he really like pops off the screen, you know? Yeah, okay. 
Um, he, in 2017, does a film called Savage Dog, a story uh, set in Indochina in 1959, a land beyond rule and a time without mercy and the birth of a legend. Okay, I mean, that sounds cool. Um, and then in 2018, he, uh, I believe in the scene, he just does a voice on the phone, uh, but it's a film called You Might Be a Killer, which is actually a very fun, like, goofy slasher film that we have watched. Yeah, it's it's um a uh, uh, kind of a camp slasher. It's Allison like, Hannigan is in it, yes. right? Yeah. And um that kid that I think also starred in Cabin in the Woods, right? Isn't that who the uh the lead guy was? I think it's the guy that played the stoner in Cabin in the Woods, I think. Oh, isn't what's his name? Middle Ditch in it too? No, I think you're thinking of the other one that we watched Oh, together. yeah, you're right. Um uh, which oh yeah, F- uh, Fran Kranz is his name. <laughs> yes, yes. Which is uh, an insane name for a person, but yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, y- you were thinking of the Final Girls, yeah, which yeah, we yeah. both like quite a bit. That makes sense. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I-, I remember enjoying this movie well enough. I thought this movie was like good, not great, probably. Yeah. Um, you know, a scream esque kind of self aware slasher movie. Yeah, basically. for sure. Yeah. But like that, he just decided to do this like bit. Oh yeah, for totally. It. And and you know I think anymore basically at this point in his career and in uh, horror movie history, Keith David's a good get for your horror movie. Oh, if you're for trying sure. to make like a small horror movie, even if it's just for a voice role, he's a yeah. good get for that. You know, which is interesting because he does like not a ton of that in the '80s and '90s, but because he was a significant Carpenter guy, exactly. It he's like now uh, a horror legend, yep, which yep. is cool. Um, in 2019, he does the film 21 Bridges. Uh, yeah, with which, the late Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, and um, they filmed that in Philly. Yeah, uh, we walked right by the set one yeah, day. Yeah, one yep. of our like early dates, yep. I remember, yeah. Um, and then I noted this too, just because he was uh, a significant character on a show called Greenleaf, uh, which was on from 2016 to 2020. Uh, it's uh, the description says the unscrupulous world of the Greenleaf family and their sprawling Memphis megachurch, uh, dark secrets and lies. I, I mean, I would actually be interested in that because yeah. that megachurch world is like kind of the world I came from when yeah. I was a religious youth, and mm. so I, I would be interested in that. Yeah, he especially um, if it's about like the underbelly of that yeah. stuff. You know, he plays a pretty significant role he was on it until it ended and uh yeah like a lot of the interviews and stuff i found of him he was like talking about the show okay uh oh and yes uh we forgot to talk about a film that he did in 2018 uh he did uh tales from the hood 2 uh which i believe is directed by rusty cundiff he at least directs like three of the segments yeah uh uh, rusty cundiff does the wraparound and two of the segments and somebody else is the other two i'll get the name here yes and uh rusty cundiff we've talked uh a little bit about on the podcast before because uh we talked about fear of a black hat uh for casey lemon's episode uh which we both really enjoyed a lot uh which he was also in uh starring in that uh he's very very funny and like very talented i believe Um, he wrote and directed fear of a black hat too Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, we have not seen Tales from the Hood, uh, the original. Uh, we've wanted to for I some really time, like to. but we were like, "Oh, it's an anthology, so I think we can watch two. Yeah, and we don't it's need fine. the context, really. Um, um, by the way, the other uh, writer director's name is Darren Scott. Okay, and Darren cool. Scott, I think, did two of the segments. Awesome. Um, so yeah, I I have a, a big soft spot for anthology horror movies in general. I I tend to enjoy even if it's just like a few of the segments or the wraparound. Like I always enjoy something in these. Yeah. Um, and 
I didn't know that there were actually two, and there's a third one as well, uh, which I think Tony Todd is the wraparound character oh, for, cool. which is really cool. I wonder cool. if he also plays Sims, because Keith David is basically playing yeah. a character from the first one that a different actor played. Yes, and I, I believe he he may be, but That's I don't cool. I, I, when I, I looked like it up, idea of like different generations of you know kind of like iconic movie actors like getting to play that character um and so keith david is like the the main like kind of narrator he is the one that is telling these stories uh to this like very racist uh man that owns like for-profit prisons in the united states and is like creating a a robocop essentially uh to take down uh people who are un-american which seems to uh, mean he take down black people and yeah. illegal immigrants yeah essentially it's uh, this white guy being like i built a robot to fucking like put colored people in my private prisons yes but is presenting this as like oh i need someone to teach him about who and what criminals are yes so a, like tell some storytelling yes tell us some of these stories but of course and- yes Mr. Sims to do that. Mr. Yes. Sims is a black american who tells yes. a series of stories that very distinctly paint white America as the problem yes. with America. Um, yeah, so a lot, they all have like very different themes, but are all very much about race. Uh, but there's also one that's about like, uh, you know, date rape, yes. uh, which I was like really impressed with yeah. um, and found that segment to be like thoroughly entertaining. Yeah, me too. Um, the last segment directed by Rusty Cundiff, which is like pretty heartbreaking, is about Emmett Till, actually. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, that one is the one that is played pretty straight. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I like got kind of emotional towards the yeah. end of that one, actually. Um, but Keith David uh, is so fun in this because yeah. it's just him acting against these like characters who are like pretty racist, or they're just like dealing with this racist man because they work for him and no one wants to speak up against him, and they are then also painted as being uh, just as evil for be- like letting this man continue what he's doing. Uh, and what I love most about him was that he's getting like angrier and angrier as he is like talking to these people. But the way his anger manifests is that he just gets like louder and funnier. He just like starts cackling at them and like, it it just works really well. It's it's so funny. It's as if he's responding to how evil that they are allowing themselves to be in front of him. Do you know what I mean? Like the more, openly evil they become the more openly he just laughs in their face yes you know yeah and you know then gets more uh, aggressive in his demeanor and storytelling yes. he also is wearing like an incredible outfit incredible the whole time. outfit it's like a it looks like a bejeweled uh uh suit uh, that I really love. He also has the best line in the movie towards the end when he just tells that guy, you're in hell, motherfucker. Oh, he's so good. Yeah, Yeah, he, this, you know, is one of the few, like, it feels like he's getting a chance to lead this story and is incredible in it. Such a great performance from him. And, like, I'm actually glad this ended up kind of being, like, the last film of his we talk about. Because it, it, it feels like a great kind of, like, it, it is the wraparound story to his like career almost. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. Yeah, and like it's it's so much on the nose. Maybe more so than even the first Tales from the Hood is. Like we don't know because we haven't seen I have it. No idea, but like yeah. it's it's so much about like yes, private prisons. It yeah. is about drugs. It is about capitalism. I, I could it's, see not liking this movie because it's so on the nose. That's what I was thinking. Uh, 
I don't mind that. Me I either. think some people fucking need that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just think that Rusty Cundeef, I mean, this is the way um, Pure of a Black Hat was, too. I think he's good at this. Yeah. Which is being really on the nose, but still being really entertaining and clever. Yes. Right? Like, just because it's that on the nose doesn't mean it doesn't actually have some, like, clever things up its sleeve. I agree. Sleeve. Yeah. Um, and so, I, I really, like, that first segment is kind of a monster movie mm-hmm. about these, like, dolls or whatever. And, like, by the time you actually get to that doll yeah. itself, it's, like, pretty creepy and weird. And Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. Which, like, as, you know, from, like, as, a, like, a history person and stuff, yeah. like, I love that that's all based around, like, uh, yes, like, the, after they flew freed slaves, then, like, these, like, mammy black characters. Yeah become like trinkets that yeah. black that white people have to like make fun of black yes. people and that like is a part of history that we like need to discuss yeah. and then these characters are all haunted by that and yeah. I, I loved it I thought yeah. it was so fun me too yeah uh, I really dug it I, I, I it made me even more interested in seeing the original one yes you know? for sure yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah and I just, I've become like a big Rusty Cundee fan I really dig that yeah guy. I would love to seek out more of his stuff I also think he's a great performer so I would yeah. love to also see him act more yeah, me too. as well yeah he, I think he's got like a very small on screen role I'm at sure. like the end of this movie yeah he's like a reporter yeah. at the end yeah. and is a uh, you know is still very fun yeah. in that role too yeah, yeah. really I, I enjoyed this yeah me too um so then in the 2020s, he is on Creep Show, uh, which I don't know if we've seen his episode. Yeah, I know. We watched like some of the first season and yeah. enjoyed it well enough. We yeah. thought it was pretty good. Uh, he then does a movie called The 420 Movie, uh, Mary and Jane. All so right. we know what that's about. Yes, yes we do. Uh, he then does a movie called Horizon Line. And uh, I just have it because he has so many that's He's like in hard to list. Tons of stuff. He's got like seven or eight things in production right now. Yeah. So Keith David, like, it just keeps going. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, sky's the limit. And with that beautiful voice of his, like, assuming that that, you know, remains with him throughout his life, you yeah. know. Even as he maybe ages out of being able to do physical roles, really, like, I imagine he'd be able to keep working. You yeah, know what I mean? I agree. Yeah. Um, he is a teacher at HB Studio, uh, which is cool because I know he references, like, teaching. Yeah, he talks about, like, teaching for, teaching English for, like, some yeah. kind of, like, speech and interviews or mm-hmm. something, you know? Um, his work in narration earned him three Emmys for Ken Burns's Jackie Robinson, The War, and Unforgivable Blackness, uh, The Rise and Fall of Jack Johnson. I actually don't know that I was aware he actually is a Ken Burns narrator, yeah. so that's like makes the community joke even funnier. I know. Um, yeah, so he won three Emmys out of six nominations and has also been nominated for a Tony Award. Oh, that means he's done work on stage, too, yeah. which doesn't surprise me either. It makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, he's also a talented singer. He's he toured in... T- uh, yeah, right? He's toured in two shows, Too Marvelous for Words, in which he betrays the legendary singer Nat King Cole, oh, wow. and a show about the blues singer Joe Williams. Here to, here's to life. Okay, cool, cool. Um, a couple other like notes I have here too. Uh, fo- uh, following the film Platoon, nineteen eighty six, Charlie Sheen did a TV interview, and he uh, credits Keith David with saving his life oh. while they were shooting in uh, an open door gunship. The helicopter helicopter banked too hard, and Sheen would have gone through the door, but David grabbed Sheen by the back and pulled him in. I, I can literally see this happening. And I know. It feels like an actual scene from from a movie, an action movie. You know? Yeah. 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 He's a frequent voice collaborator 
collaborator with Ron Perlman, which is amazing. Okay, yep. Uh, and then in February 2010, he became the first actor to provide his voice for two films nominated for uh, Academy Awards for Best Animated Feature because he was in Coraline and he was in The Princess and the Frog. Very cool. Uh, which is uh, pretty awesome. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention uh, about his life outside of... Uh, you know, his on-screen presence is he did do a lot of video game work mm -hmm. uh, in the past couple of decades. Uh, and our friend Jacob wanted me to mention this, and I think it is worth mentioning. Two huge roles that he played. There is a big franchise called Mass Effect. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I think basically like one of the lead characters of that game mm -hmm. franchise. Okay. And the, that game franchise is basically like, what if Star Wars or Star Trek were like a video game you could play? It's like this huge universe with all mm -hmm. these different species and, you know. Uh, and so that uh, and is actually like a well-written game, basically, like yeah. those games are respected for being like pretty well-written science fiction stories. Mm -hmm. So uh, he's like a big character in those. But the really, really big one is he plays the Arbiter in Halo 2. Mm. And the Halo franchise is of my lifetime, the big science fiction game franchise. Yeah. And the big thing about Halo 2 is that Halo 1 is all about you versus this like alien species mm -hmm. and halo 2 opens with you playing one of the alien species characters oh. so you are playing what you think is one of the villains and people were pissed when this happened they were like what and then you find out that what the game is about is this one person from that species that gets like excommunicated from that species mm -hmm. and so becomes this uneasy ally with master chief the actual hero of the franchise mm -hmm. and david keith voices the arbiter the guy that is excommunicated from the species Whoa. and becomes kind of the unlikely hero and and you know that's and, very cool yeah and he's awesome in it um, oh, nice. so i literally remember being like 16 years old halo 2 is coming out we go to the midnight release we go to like a GameStop to play in a halo tournament to win a copy of halo 2 oh, wow and then we t we all me and two of my friends called in sick called in sick we're sick from school the next day mm. just so we could play Halo 2 all day long from my friend's couch. Wow. Having a blast. Literally, Keith David is like a significant part of my youth in all arenas. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, it's um, pretty wild. Yeah, so he, he really, it, his career spans all kinds of stuff. And, and Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, just, I wanted to mention those because they actually oh, yeah, are like very sure. significant in this other medium, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, and then the only other thing, um, he, uh, for, like, some of the sources, uh, there's a really good Vulture article uh, about Keith David and some of his work, and that's how I found out a lot about, like, his actual role in Roadhouse. Okay, gotcha, yeah, all right, uh, awesome. And then uh, there is there are these documentaries called In Search of Darkness, which is all Shutter. on 80s horror. Yep. Yeah, they're on Shutter, and they have a part two as well. Um, but on Vimeo, you can find, uh, like, Just a clip like of Keith, Keith David, David talking yeah. about um, his role in some horror in the 80s which is pretty cool that's awesome yeah well this was a ton of fun uh keith david was like a great way to go out for a season yeah. finale i think mm -hmm. and i'm very looking forward to season two yeah uh, we have so much stuff in yes store. we have a lot of stuff that we're already organizing on and we're gonna get a list of great movies together to watch yeah. so uh very excited about that so like keep following our social media tori does a great job with that stuff and i imagine we'll probably keep it pretty active over our break between seasons yeah i'm uh brainstorming ideas how to stay active with uh our listeners so if anyone has any ideas reach out to us yeah please uh, let us know how we can continue to uh be awesome in yeah. our, <laughs> while we are recording exactly uh and you know so we're at killer bs podcast everywhere on the internet killer bees podcast uh, you can find me online at philadelphia that's with an f follow mm -hmm. my letterbox please and look me up on moviejohn.com or go to patreon.com slash moviejohn become a patron there's lots of cool stuff that tori's involved with over mm -hmm. there um 
or subscribe to Movie John, where you can find uh, a really cool article I have coming up about um, the movie Speed Racer and the collective racer trash. Yeah. Uh, that'll be in the next issue of Movie John. That's very exciting. Uh, yeah, and I'm uh, Tori Victoria Potenza on social media things. Uh, I will be guest starring on Wild Pretty Things podcast soon uh, in regards to my um, Women Who Kill column on Movie John. So uh, look out for that. Follow, give them a follow. Uh, and yeah, I have a review on Kandisha, which is a new movie on Shudder. It's like a French extremities film that just came out um, that, uh, yeah, has some interesting stuff if you want to check that out. Cool. Oh, well, let's wrap it up yeah. for season one. Buzz. Buzz, buzz.